3: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
4: And welcome to Overnight America. Ooh. That's one of those in. Boom goes the dynamite nights. Fourteen to three win. That felt pretty good after a loss yesterday. Not feeling so good losing to Washington and. Now coming back, a nice win, and let's hope that tomorrow's another one of those exciting moments on KMOX. So, it gives us a late start, so I wanted to give you at least an idea of what you can expect the next couple of hours. We have some great guests scheduled, like Tom Sullivan, on his latest discovery of the wasteful spending in the county. Oh, there's so much wasteful spending. How much? How much? That's the question you'll ask yourself when you hear it. You'll make, sh- you, you'll almost want to run to the bathroom, get a Q-tip, get the wax out of there, and say, say that again. I don't think I heard you correctly. It's one of those numbers. It's bad. Also, next hour, Grace Curley's joining us. She writes for the Spectator and the Boston Herald. is a radio show host in Boston for WRKO. And she wrote a piece about the media's attacks on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And it was a good piece, good points. And I thought, hey, let's get a radio friendly person on the show. So she'll join us. Also, uh, later, too, in the one o'clock hour, Austin Roos is the president of the Center for Family and Human Rights to talk about standing up against some of this uh, radical agenda that's been pushed on kids. And Meryl Oliver is joining us, too, to talk about COVID funds and how local governments will be using them and what they can and can't do with that money. Kind of an interesting thought. So a lot on the show here tonight. We have been watching, at least um, streaming, some of the different news coverage from Minneapolis and Brooklyn Center. And it was strange to watch some of the protests in the streets. Some of which over the last couple of days have definitely have turned dangerous. You wouldn't want to be near that at night. Today, it was something similar in the sense that there were protesters out by police stations, kind of like what you would see in Ferguson or something along those lines, except tonight was a little bit different because there was a curfew in place. They have a curfew up until 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And they were doing live news stand-ups. The TV station was, the local TV station. And they were in Brooklyn Center. This is, um, you know, watching everything that's going on. And I wouldn't say a trial run for what could be happening in Minneapolis with the Derek Shelvin trial. But what I noticed, and the thing that really stood out to me during all of this, is the reporter has some of the different protesters in the line of police in behind her and she was talking about how they had to use tear gas and rubber bullets and things because people were getting unruly and they were breaking curfew after a certain point There was just you know if if you want to uh, get out of hand after that curfew is in place then that's a no-go police were not putting up with it so she was standing up and she was talking about this and as she was talking about the protest it started snowing it was so distracting Knowing that everything else that was going on in the background, the snow is all I can think of. Wow. In in Minneapolis, in Minnesota right now, it's snowing. And people are out protesting. It's snowing. After having these 60-degree days, and we'll have more of these 60-degree days in a row in St. Louis, it makes me happy that I'm here and not in a place where it's still snowing on April 13th. Don't want any of that. Don't want it all. But we are watching that. And the last couple of nights have been pretty bad, and it just gives you flashbacks of what happens here in St. Louis and have happened here. But watching uh, Minneapolis, there is an eye out on that. Real quick, I didn't have an opportunity to play Kevin Klein's whole other story from the other day, and he did a great piece on the meat market. You know, I'm a big fan of going to the butcher shop, uh, picking up a nice cut of meat, grilling, things like that. What about that meat market that Kevin Klein can only uh, tell a story like this? It's Don's
0: Meat Market on South Broadway, a brick building with a neon sign on the front of a cow. It's a temple of meat, and the man in charge, the owner, Michael Jackson, says people still like their meat. We sell a lot of meat. We specialize in fresh meat packages. So you butcher them in the back or what? I'm sorry? butcher the cows here? No, we don't butcher them here. They come already it. Do you ever have uh, people come in and rob the store and say, give me a veal cutlet and run out the door? No, no, never. Do you ever get any former vegetarians come in to say they're sorry? No, no, not at all. (laughs) What's hot this spring with meat buyers? Big thing, I guess, to be rib tips, ribs, uh, chicken wings. Those are big hot items. What's your favorite thing to eat in the meat department? Uh, I like rib bite steaks. What, what what's better about a ribeye for you? Um, to me, it's more tender and it's got more marbling in it, so it makes it a better steak. You feel guilty when you're eating a ribeye? Not at all. <laughs> how many times a, mu- a year do you eat a ribeye? Oh, probably maybe twenty times a year. Twenty ribeyes a year? Yeah. Well, you're in the business. Yeah. Right. How, how often do you think the average person has a steak every year? Nah, maybe once a month. It's more than me yeah <laughs> you're out in the country on a sunday ride and you see a cow eating the grass do you ever feel sorry for him not at all <laughs> what, what are your feelings i mean it's an animal <laughs> it's an animal that's i mean, guess i think like that could have been me i guess and it could me. be true <laughs> but you like the ribeyes the best that's that's my favorite what's the future of meat will meat always be here or you know there's talk that they want us to eat insects now and more veg- vegetarian dishes I think meat will always be around.
2: <laughs>
0: that is Mr. Ribeye Michael Jackson, the owner of Don's Meat Market at 4012 South Broadway. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen.
4: What a beautiful use of music right here. Meat, it's what's for dinner was a great ad campaign. There's some very memorable ad campaigns. That's one of them. The other one was the Got Milk. That was a pretty popular one there for a while. But meat, it's what's for dinner. was well, always a good one. Yeah, a steak a month, I uh, unless you're eating at home and you're going to the meat market and things like that, that changes things. And I definitely don't go as much as I want to, but I love a good meat market. Oh, man, what a nice memories of hanging out. I went to... um one summer I stayed at a cabin, and it was one of those small little villages that you know probably a 15 minute drive and it was a one-stop light type of village, a gas station, a laundromat, a bar, a grocery store that doubled as the butcher shop and that was the that was it. I would go to that grocery store where it had cheap New York strip steaks it was like a buck 25 a pound it was something really cheap and i would eat steak every single day that summer it was wonderful i had a little grill i would marinate it in italian dressing it was great and every i was eating so good and i don't know if i could ever do that again but man it just brings me right back thinking about the meat market and normally you can find some of the best spices the marinades Or if you want to get a dry rub or you just want to get some seasoning or something, normally the meat markets have the absolute best, their own blend or whatever it is. You got to talk to the people that know their stuff and they could put together something. If you haven't been to a meat market in a while or butcher shop, go do it. What a great thing. Kevin Clean. I hope he picked up a steak and brought it home or at least a couple of steaks. All right. Um, A couple of things I want to bring up scheduling wise. We are going to have Tom Sullivan on right after the break. We'll take a look at your weather. And Megan Lynch has a new feature. Her series this week is called When Will It End? Looking at the pandemic and asking that question on a couple of different fronts. We'll air her piece from Tuesday, which is today. It aired on Total Information AM, but we're going to bring those to you this week on Overnight America. Her feature will come up a little bit later, too. This is Overnight America KMOX.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
4: let odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs
0: advertise with odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com get the inside story on what's happening with your st louis cardinals this season directly from the redbirds manager it's the mike schilt show sunday mornings at ten fifteen. sponsored
4: by bath fitter on your voice of the st louis cardinals KMOX. He pays very close attention to county politics and I'm so glad that he spends time with us here on Overnight America to discuss the things that he has found in really a big discovery this time around. Tom Sullivan, how are you?
2: I'm doing fine, Ryan thanks for having me this evening.
4: I love your latest opinion piece and this uh, your discovery of how much money was actually spent when it came to this the lawyer bills and everything that came to find legal representation when it came to this whole county council deal that happened a couple of months back. So the cost to fight the power grab is a pretty big number, and I was hoping you could talk about what you found out.
2: Well, if you recall, the county actually sued its own county council members. This had to do with the election of officers for the new year. Uh, as you recall, uh, the councilwoman, Rochelle Walton Gray, her, her term ended at the end of the, end of the year, and they had um election of officers in the beginning of the year and then uh, they needed to have four votes in order for Lisa Clancy to continue on as chair well what they did was they just uh... extended the term of uh, Councilwoman Rochelle Walton Gray so that there were four votes for Lisa Clancy to be elected as chair of course the only problem with that is it it, it was just incredibly illegal you just can't do things like that and uh after the after the new board uh came on came into uh after the new majority started on, on january the twelfth, they essentially removed Lisa Clancy as a chair and then in a subsequent meeting they installed Rita Days. At that point, uh the county councilor filed a lawsuit against the majority uh council members saying that what they did was wrong. Well then the the uh majority council members they had to go out and get their their uh, law firm to to, uh, to represent them and they all went to court and then the new majority actually won the case and uh, Rita Day stayed as the council chair and um, Lisa Clancy was removed mm-hmm. well we finally got the bill on all this uh, recently, at least it was recently disclosed and it cost, it's going to cost the county $127,996 in order to represent so that the Majority of the council members had representation, mm-hmm. so I mean it's really an incredible amount of money for something that never should have happened uh, to begin with.
4: Really ridiculous, considering that it was resolved pretty quickly, right? I mean, it was in a matter of a couple of weeks.
2: Uh, the litigation probably went on about for a month, maybe six oh,
4: weeks. Was it that long?
2: <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and uh, well, uh, you know how you know how the courts move, and uh, so eventually they got it, they made the decision. And uh, it was not favorable to the to Lisa Clancy, who of course is an ally of the county executive. The county executive had a lot of uh, interest in this, of course, because when you have the majority uh, of the council on your side, that that means you can you can put through your program. It means that uh, things like the county auditor is is not going to be replaced because they don't want to replace them. So that means that nobody goes looking into how he was spending uh, the 173 million dollars cares money. So uh, at any rate, it's all over with, and it's going to be—you uh, know—it's—it's going to be—it it has become a better council, I think, because we have a, a different majority.
4: What a ridiculous thing to begin with, where there are votes from people who are technically not representatives of the area that don't have a vote after they leave office. And to have to try to argue that and to have lawyers out there to try to defend both sides, what a wasted amount of money. We're always talking about how we can spend money in the county. It seems like one example after another. You can look at the coronavirus spending that happened with the original package and all the wasteful spending there. It's just like one thing after another. You look at this and say, how in the world are we able to operate if we're this dysfunctional?
2: yeah and the county has lost even uh, more money the last week it, it was um it was the final decision there was a lawsuit against the county having to do with uh, having to do with the death in the county jail in two thousand and nineteen and the lawsuit claimed negligence on the part of the jail administration and they it was finally uh final final decision on that and the county had to pay eight hundred and sixty five thousand dollars and of course that's in addition to all the other. Uh, lawsuits that they've lost. So, I mean, when, when you look at the amount of money that they're spending on on uh, verdicts against the county, plus they're spending now the 127000 I mean, the, the cost just keeps going up, up, and away. And, of course, there's no shortage of things that they, the money could be spent for in St. Louis County, you know, meeting some real needs.
4: This is ridiculous. And we're also going to find ourselves in the future continuing to fight when you saw that number, I know you had to do a little bit of digging for this and just how absurd it is. I think most people can look at this and understand we got a serious problem when it comes to the county and spending right now. And I know that you've brought in other issues like the audit. I wonder how many things have gone unseen in the county when it comes to spending because we haven't conducted a real audit in as long as, what, the last four years?
2: Oh uh, the county auditor hasn't done any audits they still have a uh, they still have an outside auditor once a year but i can't say that that's very comprehensive. You can go back to two thousand and fourteen I believe it was they found it was discovered that a high official in the health department had embezzled three point four million dollars over six or seven years and they finally they're finally catching up to him and and the guy committed suicide but I mean that goes to tell you that that you know how how things have been happening, and I think what was so scary about this particular situation was the guy the guy did it so, so simple. He just he just made up a phony name, uh, opened up a post office box, and uh, sent in bills, and they got paid. So Wow,
4: isn't that amazing? Uh, Tom yeah. Sullivan, joining us here on Overnight America, that's one of the issues, and you were watching the county council meeting here tonight. What were some of the big issues they were debating?
2: Well, the big issue everybody was watching there was a, there was a resolution having to do with uh, no confidence in the County Police Chief Mary Barton and that got quite a lot of discussion and there's uh, quite a divided opinion it did pass four to three uh, the Democrats voted for it and the Republicans voted against it but the, usually things don't break down by uh, party lines on, on the council but that's been a continuing that's been a continuing issue with the St. Louis County Police don't forget, we have a lieutenant colonel who has a uh, has a lawsuit against the uh, against the county. And there's also two lieutenants on the county police force who have lawsuits. So I mean, it just keeps it just keeps going on and on.
4: You know, one of the things you mentioned is that the trolley, the loop trolley, continues to be a point of discussion. I thought this thing was just gone for good.
2: No, well, the loop trolley has made a request of the East West Gateway Council of Governments. For 1.26 million dollars uh, to uh, help continue to operate the trolley. This particular uh, pot of money has to do with mitigating traffic and therefore reducing air pollution. Of course, it's been noted that the trolley does the exact opposite. It, it clogs up traffic, clogs up traffic, and uh, therefore it, it causes more air pollution. So I don't know how much uh, I don't know how much of a welcome this is going to get at the East-West Gateway uh... council of Governments. the chair the current chair is kurt prinzler he's the he's the chair of uh, madison county and uh, i know he is dead set against it and i know there's some other people on it actually the chair of the county council is also uh... one of the voting members so i know she's against it she voted against it by the way it passed unanimously in the council so i think it's going to be tough for the east-west gateway to fund something when the, when the governing body of st louis county is is uh dead set against it.
4: Yeah, I don't think they want to. And I wanted to mention, originally I was going to try to make a comparison to the infrastructure bill that is being talked about, federally speaking, and all this these trillions of dollars they want to spend across the country on different projects. And I was going to compare that to the loop trolley and to say what you're doing is you're funding a lot of things like this that are ultimately terrible ideas. You're just throwing money at things that are, are unnecessary. But then they try to change the definition of what infrastructure means. And they tried to say it's human infrastructure. So it might not be a physical thing like the trolley, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of other things that other communities are going to be faced with that will be just pure disasters like this was for our region, uh, Tom Sullivan joining us here on Overnight America. And I wanted to also ask you about Sam Page because it sounds like he's trying to pull a couple of tricks. And you were saying that you saw him discussing executive orders and some things that he wants to try to push unilaterally?
2: Well, uh, executive orders are something that's uh, relatively new in, in uh, St. Louis County. Uh, as we've seen, we've had presidents of the United States in, uh, in recent years uh, do them. But he came up with this uh, executive order, it was last week and uh... It has to do with uh... uh... the bathrooms are no longer going to have uh... no longer going to have gender specific bathrooms you're going to have unisex bathrooms at least that's what it seems like he, he wants to do and uh... With, with an executive order you know there's no vote on it, it it's just the it's just unilater- unilaterally here it is and uh... they were going to ask him some more questions upon it tonight and i i think they were probably going to do that but uh, exactly, where it's going to apply. I mean, don't forget, supposedly it's for all county, all county buildings. Well, that would include the, the county jail also. And uh, there's just a lot of questions about it. It seemed like he just hurriedly put it together and said, "Well, here it is. Supposedly, it's it's supposed to give equality for transgendered people. And uh, rather than having to, supposedly, they have a difficult time deciding whether if they want to go to the men's or the women's restroom. And this, therefore, would eliminate that so they can go in anyone. So Uh, I don't know if there was a great need for it, but at any rate, that's what uh, Sam Page decreed in his uh, executive order.
4: Let me tell you what comes to mind when I hear that, executive orders and such. Before the county council, he had the support of them and pretty much could do anything. It was to the point where they even gave him the ability to go and spend this coronavirus money without their oversight, which was a huge mistake. Now I think the county council is realizing uh, this was a bad idea to give this much power, and they want that to, to rein that back in. Next thing you know, he's signing executive orders, so going around it yet again. And when it comes to politics that have been burned by an area, with Steve Stanger now sitting in a federal prison, we need to be very weary when you have one person that has too much control and could use it inappropriately, and this has to be really looked at.
2: Especially so, and uh, you know the county charter, uh, all by itself, is 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 very much weighted towards the uh, towards the county executive. So, uh, I would say probably already has a little bit too much authority. But one thing I might mention also is, and this was on the agenda tonight from the county executive, is that the the county is going to get 192 million dollars from the American Rescue Plan, and I think the county executive has has understood that there 's not going to be any repeat what we have with one hundred and seventy three million so he is he has met with the county council members, and I think we 're going to have a whole different situation this time around this time around and I think there's going to be much more input from the council and the council is going to actually appropriate the money as it should be doing all along
4: and let 's just remember the discussions we had a couple of years back when it came to a city and county merger, and they wanted to give all that power to Steve stanger. he would have been the overseer of these this large region and how disastrous that would have been knowing what we know now. And I want to also point out that in the future, we know that with Tashara Jones coming in as mayor in the city of St. Louis, she wants to bring the, uh, the the area together, a more unified area. We need to make sure that there's not a super concentration of power between just a few people that can make decisions like this. There needs to be a lot of oversight. There needs to be a lot of transparency. We need to know where this money is going, how it's being used, and that there is input from other people on how it is used, because that's the way government should work unfortunately there's a lot of circumventing of that when it comes to county politics and while in politics in general so if anything let this be a learning lesson for us we have to be very weary and skeptical and we have to keep an eye on these things and you've been doing it for years and i don't know right now it seems like a particularly crazy time when it comes to this area's politics i don't know what uh, how long you've been paying attention to this it's been decades so what do you think about the way things are now compared to what you've seen in the past
2: well, that's an interesting question. Uh in in some ways, uh, you know, for for one thing, there's nothing wrong with open discussion, even though there's some people who often say, Well, you know, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be uh you know, be going at it like we are. Well, nothing wrong with open discussion and uh in the past, especially in St. Louis County, nobody paid much attention to anything. I can remember when county council meetings would only go twenty or twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And tonight they're probably gonna go two and a half hours. So in a way in a way that's good. Uh when Sam Page was, was was selected as county executive, the first words out of his mouth were, uh, transparency and accountability is going to restore confidence in county government. Well, he hasn't really kept that promise, that that's for sure, but I think now we're going to see a, a little bit more transparency because he no longer controls controls the council. So there's going to be a lot of discussions uh, with a new mayor in, in, in the city and, and we have a new majority on the council, so I think there's going to be more open discussions uh in the future
4: yeah all right so a lot of things on the agenda i'm glad you had a moment to come on and congratulations is in order i would say i think you scooped all the other (laughs) news agencies when it came to finding the amount of money that lawyers were paid in the county when it came to the council members and the county executive and all of the nonsense of somehow there's uh, former council members allowing a vote, and it 's just ridiculous that this even had to go to court or at least have lawyers involved with it all. seems all common sense that if you 're no longer a council a county executive or a county council member that uh, once you 're done with your term, you lose the ability to put a vote in so it 's so ridiculous one hundred and twenty seven one hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars wasted and i 'm so glad you brought that to the attention because people need to know these things. Tom Sullivan, thank you again for joining us here on Overnight America. Thank you for having me, Ryan. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. This is Overnight America KMOX.
3: Overnight America with
4: Ryan Recker
3: is sponsored by...
4: Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St.
3: Louis, KMOX.
4: Welcome back to Overnight America in... Megan Lynch has put together an awesome series. It's called When Will It End?
3: Conquering COVID. Now, the latest on KMOX. When will it end? That's the question KMOX News is asking this week about the COVID pandemic. I'm Megan Lynch. Many people also want to know how long will we be wearing face masks? A poll of roughly 6,000 adults by the University of Southern California found that more than 80% of Americans believe wearing masks is effective against the coronavirus. However, that study also found that while most people shopping for groceries have face coverings, far fewer wear them when they're in close contact in small gatherings. Earlier this year, Dr. Anthony Fauci suggested we could be wearing masks into 2022. KMOX's Maria Kina had a conversation with the head of the task force overseeing our region's response.
1: My doctor would not let me wear a mask. Will anyone harassing me to
3: wear a mask? You're going to work on my teeth, not my nose. I don't wear a mask getting my teeth clean.
1: Convincing people to wear a mask has been a challenge from the start of the pandemic. But as more people are immunized and transmission of COVID slows, will masks stay? It's hard for me to think that a year from now we're going to be still wearing masks. I just logically don't see that. Now, what can you do after you've been vaccinated or after you had enough time post that second shot, if you're doing the two shot or enough time past the single shot to have developed significant immunity. I think it's still important that people continue to practice all the mitigation strategies. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So one, there's still biological plausibility that people can become infected and spread virus asymptomatically. So if you think about what a vaccine does, it's it suppresses the ability of the virus to make you sick from, from a viral infection. Now, if you, if you develop enough immunity that you don't experience any symptoms, obviously you're not getting sick and you're not going to die, but you could still be an asymptomatic carrier, at least for a period of time then you have that potential to still be spreading. Dr. Alex Garza, leader of the Pandemic Task Force, adds "Mask will be a challenge on two fronts, messaging and a scientific perspective once a significant portion of the population is vaccinated. We don't really want to create this division between the, you know, the haves and the have-nots, with the haves being the people that were fortunate enough to get vaccinated. Because that makes it really difficult for, you could see a, a storekeeper trying to police people that have been vaccinated and those that haven't. Coming in wearing a mask or those that aren't wearing a mask. So it's a little bit unfair, I think, to the population to try and segregate it that way. And so I think until we get enough of the population immunized where we've reached sort of that herd immunity status, it's really important that we sort of act all as one community. But Garza won't be surprised if some people continue to wear masks for next flu season. It's much more popular or consistent in Asian countries with masks wearing out in public. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that the influenza numbers have been almost non existent, and there's a reason for that. Garza hopes lessons learned from this pandemic will be used to prevent spread of future respiratory viruses. Maria Kina, KMOX News.
3: Some people are willing to take whatever measures are needed just to see and hug their loved ones again. Tomorrow, KMOX's Carol Daniel asks, when will it end for nursing homes and other long-term care facilities?